Welcome to the AWS Rethink Podcast, here to help you rethink your strategy in the cloud. I'm your host, Nolan Chen. And I'm your host, Malini Chatterjee. Today on our podcast, we have the guest, Vihang Shah, who is a solutions architect at AWS, just like us. We are going to learn about how one can optimize Lambda functions to save cost and improve your performance for serverless applications. Yes, welcome, Vihang. But before we start, would you mind to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, sure. Um, hello, everyone, and thank you for having me on the podcast today, Nolan Malini. Um, my name is Vihang Shah, and I'm a solutions architect here at AWS. I'm a part of West commercial sales team and an active member of our serverless technical field community. We call it STFC, where I help customers design and build serverless applications at scale. My background is with systems engineering and DevOps, and I'm really happy to be on this podcast to talk about how you can save cost when using AWS Lambda, as well as optimize its performance so you can get the best out of your serverless workloads. Nice. So Vihang, let's start from the very beginning. Let's kick off by understanding some of the basics of serverless computing. Can you tell us what it means when you say serverless and what are its benefits? Yes, absolutely. So imagine a real world scenario, right? Where you are running a business and you have a website or a mobile application. Now, as your user base grows, so is your demand for the servers to support that growth, right? Now, traditionally, when we talk about managing and scaling these servers, it has always been a complex and kind of an expensive task, right? So that's where serverless computing, it comes to rescue. So basically, serverless computing, it allows you to build, run, and scale your services without thinking about underlying servers or infrastructure. So in a nutshell, serverless platform, the application would still run on servers, but the entire management of the underlying server is done by AWS. So you can solely focus on your application and business logic. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Even though it's called quote unquote serverless, there actually still are servers out there running your code. It's just that you no longer have to manage it, right? Right. So I hear AWS then has a service called Lambda. Can you can you talk about how Lambda fits in here and how it supports serverless services? Most definitely. So I'll go back to my previous answer where I was talking about people and businesses and how they use servers, right? So think of these servers as, as an engine of a car, which is powering everything, right? Now these engine, they often require maintenance as well as sometimes a mechanic because since you own the car, right? And, and since you own the car, you are responsible for all of these maintenance. Now that's where AWS Lambda steps in. Imagine AWS Lambda as your digital assistant, which just appears when you want to have a certain task done and then disappears after the task is complete, right? 
So instead of having a big server to manage multiple tasks, you can break your tasks into smaller pieces. And when one, one needs to get a task done, AWS Lambda quickly appears, it does the task and it disappears, right? So no more paying for the idle server time. So basically, when I talk about Lambda in a nutshell, it is a compute service, right? Which runs your code in response to the events and it automatically manages the compute resources. So you as a developer or you as a business can solely focus on your application. Okay, that sounds interesting. So I'm only paying if the Lambda is actually doing my task or executing code. So it's not like EC2 where once I launch it, whether I have any users or not, as long as it's launched, I'm paying for it by the hour. Right. So with that, can you tell me then how, when, when Lambda responds to events, how does the pricing or the, the cost work? Yeah, definitely. So, and, and you know, it's, it's really important to understand how cost works with AWS Lambda. Since in my experience, it is one of the core services which is often used when you are building serverless application, right? So with AWS Lambda, it's a pay-as-you-go model in which you are charged only for the actual time your code runs. So putting that in a very basic terms, it's like paying for a taxi only when you spend time inside it, not for the entire day the taxi is available. To give you another example, now think of having a small code that AWS Lambda runs for let's say 100 milliseconds, right? In that case, you will be billed only for that 100 milliseconds your code is active and running. It will be that accurate and precise. Along with the pay-as-you-go model, one important aspect that you know I always tell my customers to understand is there is something called as a free tier allowance, which applies to your account every single month. So that's like having a certain number of free taxi rides every month. Wow, did you say something about free rides? We all love free rides, isn't it? Now, can you elaborate, like along with the time that your function runs, what are some of the other levers that the customers should be aware of which can affect their overall costs for Lambda? Yes. So along with the time it takes for you know the function to run, there are certain things to keep in mind which can affect your overall cost. The first is the number of requests. And I'll explain what a request is. It's basically each time your Lambda code is triggered. Now it can be through an API gateway or through any other supported trigger. Secondly, you also pay for the amount of memory that you configure for your function. So in a nutshell, when we talk about pricing with AWS Lambda, it's a combination of one, execution duration, two, number of requests that are coming in, and three, that is the amount of memory that is allocated to your functions. Hmm. This sounds good, but still a little bit too theoretical for me. Um, I like I like some numbers. So, yeah, you say like the, each of these functions may only take, say, 100 milliseconds to execute. But I'm thinking 
like some customers, they may be running a web service or a website that with uh, a million or more users. So I could see them probably running a, a million Lambda requests. How much would a million Lambda requests cost? Can you give like a ballpark figure? Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> that's where the, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, the free tier allowance that comes in here, um, which is basically that every month there is a million request, million free requests that is available across all of your Lambda functions, along with there is a 400,000 GB seconds, which is a combination of the amount of memory in GB, as well as the number of duration that your code runs in seconds for across all of your Lambda functions. So in, in a case where you are sending an initial 1 million request to your Lambda function, you will technically be in your free tier allowance. After the initial free tier allowance, you are going to be charged at 20 cents per million requests. 20 cents per 1 million Lambda requests? Did I hear that right? 20 yep. cents? Yep. Wow. That's great. 20 cents per million Lambda requests. That's something one should note who is, who is listening to this podcast. Now that you have explained about how the costs work with the Lambda functions, from your experience talking to the customers in real world, can you share what can be those different ways customers can optimize the performance aspect of these Lambda functions as well so that they can get the best of their workloads, not only on the cost, but also from the performance aspect? Yes, absolutely. So in one of the key things that I talk, whenever I talk to my customers, I always make sure that I bring it up is to keep cost and performance optimizations as a constant evolving part of their process. No matter how big your or small your workload is, right? When you keep these two things as a constant part of the process, you ensure that you are always running cleaner and more optimal. Now coming to your question, Malini, about you know, Lambda functions performance, there are certain things to keep in mind. First, try to keep your Lambda functions short and sweet. When I mean by short and sweet, what I mean is the shorter your Lambda function runs, the less you pay. You should try to break down your function into smaller focused functions. That way it is easier to manage when one specific Lambda function does only a specific task, right? So that's the first one. Second, try to right-size your functions. And right-sizing the function is like choosing the right vehicle for your trip. You don't need like a massive RV just to go to the grocery store, right? In the same way, always choose the right amount of memory to allocate to your function. We have tools such as Lambda Power Tuning, which is available to the customer that can help customers profile their Lambda functions to give them an estimate on how, how much amount of memory your function needs after an analysis. So that was the second one. The third one is optimize your function's dependencies. Now, in a simple term, think of these dependencies as ingredients in a recipe you should only use what you need. So trim down all the unnecessary libraries and reduce the function size. 
and the last and the most important in my opinion is use a cost efficient high performance lambda processor i'll i'll basically explain this so aws lambda provides you with two types of processors to choose from one is a regular processor called x86 and the other one is called graviton2 which is a powerful and a cost efficient processor with graviton2 it's like having an advanced and an eco friendly car which does the same job but also saves you money and gives you higher performance yeah so i've heard of graviton2 so when when using lambda are you saying that we can choose graviton or other process we have a choice of graviton or other processors yes you have a choice to make between graviton2 and x86 cool so you you've covered optimizing cost and performance and we talked about how lambda can be as low as 20 cents per million functions but but that said right i i know some customers like particularly bigger customers they don't know always they don't always know what's going on with different departments what workloads developers are launching and com- customers don't like surprises on their bill can you tell us how customers are what are the different ways they can monitor monitor their costs and performance for lambda yes most definitely what i'll try to do is i'll break down your question into two things first is a performance monitoring and the second one is a cost monitoring i'll start by explaining the performance monitoring aspect of aws lambda since it is important to understand that first right so aws lambda is closely integrated with amazon cloudwatch which can help you monitor your functions you can utilize amazon cloudwatch to monitor lambda functions performance metrics such as error counts duration throttles invocations things like that along with that lambda functions is also tightly integrated with amazon cloudwatch logs where you can analyze the logs to understand what is the function behavior like where are the errors coming from secondly lambda functions are also integrated with aws xray which you can leverage to identify performance bottlenecks so let's say if your lambda functions is making underlying request to dynamo table x-ray will give you how much time it takes for the response that is coming back from uh, dynamodb right so that's that's where you will understand where the latency is coming from and third when we talk about cost monitoring leveraging tools like aws budgets and using detailed billing reports are also going to be very essential you can implement for instance cost allocation tags you know based on the project based on the application for better tracking and along with that there is also something called as uh, aws lambda free tier monitoring which you can keep, which you can monitor inside aws budgets to make sure that you are not uh, receiving any uh, surprise in your bills and you stay proactive and optimizing the way you go thanks vihang for sharing how to you know help reduce the cost but also improve the performance while considering serverless workload using aws lambda you did mention about the compute savings plan but can you also mention like some of the use cases where lambda is not a good fit like what are those anti patterns that you learn from 
talking to your multiple customers. Yes, and Malini, you are spot on there. One thing I want to bring up here is AWS Lambda has a hard limit of running a specific function for or only for 15 minutes. So if you have a sustained workload, which means you are going to, you know, having a request on demand for like 24 hours, 365 days, AWS Lambda is not going to be a suitable option right there. Thanks, Vihang. So is it fair to summarize it this way? If you want to run a continuous workload, like running a web, ser web server, do not use Lambda. But if it's more uh, request response, um, event driven, that's what Lambda is good for? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast today. I'd like to thank you, Vihang. I think you've definitely helped our customers today rethink their serverless strategy in the cloud. We would also like to thank our listeners for joining us today. We have definitely learned a lot about optimizing your serverless workloads using AWS Lambda, not only from the cost, but also from the performance perspective. Please send us your feedback by emailing us at rethinkpodcast at amazon.com. Thank you. Until next time.